0: Welcome to episode 47 of the podcast where we teach you about how to get an aviation career and we give you an inside look into all the different careers in aviation. Today's a special episode and uh, one of the reasons we put it together is I've been hearing a lot from some of the captains I fly with and some of the other folks in the industry and they're they're really burnt out when flying uh, as an airline pilot. So today's episode is going to be about 10 ways that you can avoid burnout as an airline pilot. But we're also going to talk a little bit about some of these uh, questions that we've had, uh, list, you know, written into us. But today with me, I have a, a consistent co-host, uh, Tom Wachowski. Hey, Tom, how you doing? I'm doing good, Carl. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> it's great to have you on. We uh, always like to start the show with something interesting that we've uh, done recently, and uh, you know, for me, I've had uh, a quite a, a trip recently. I've actually. You know, one of the things that I've been talking about is I get to go to the islands quite often, and one of the places that I I go often is San Juan in Puerto Rico, and uh I got to, you know, one of the neat things about this job, you get to try all the different cuisines. Well, I got to try this thing, and I've never had it before. It's mafungo, and it's uh this, and it can come with like shrimp or chicken, that type of thing, but it uses plantains, and it's kind of, it seems like it's fried, and it's in a round bowl kind of thing. And uh, it was absolutely delicious, and I I actually partook of that right on the ocean and was watching the beach and the people walking by. It was just terrific. At the same time, there was a big snowstorm up in New York, so that was quite interesting, uh, having to go into New York right after that wonderful walk on the beach. But, yeah, it was a terrific day to be uh, a pilot. Anything new in your life there, Tom, or anything exciting you've you've done recently?
1: Well, flying's been real slow. This is our slow time of the year. So I haven't done anything exciting really in the airplane, but uh, you know, I do a lot of work outside of actually flying the airplane with regard to uh, emergency response plans, training, and uh, some of the accounting and stuff. So I've been busy kind of wrapping all that up. So maybe not the most exciting thing, but at the same breath, uh, you know, nice to take a little bit of a break from the cockpit and catch up on paperwork. That's uh, in the corporate world comes with the territory.
0: It's interesting you mentioned that, Tom. We're going to talk a little bit about the 10 ways to avoid burnout, and uh, taking a break is, is one of them, that's for sure. Well, first, before we get started, just a, a quick uh, talk about our sponsors. We really appreciate you listening, but if you could, uh, check out AviationCareersPodcast.com and visit our sponsors. You see those on the right side of the show there, and those are the folks that actually pay for the uh, the broadcast and allow us to bring this to you today. Uh, there's also uh, another interesting thing that's been happening lately, and we've uh, we actually were, and I think I tweeted this out, we were voted one of the Uh, top five aviation podcasts that you have to listen to at StuckMikeAvCast. So if you get a chance, go check out StuckMikeAvCast.com. They did mention this show, Aviation Careers Podcast. There's some other really wonderful podcasts out there and some podcasts that talk about being an airline pilot. Airline Pilot Guy is one of them. He was on the show, and if you're interested in becoming an airline pilot, that's a good one to talk to. By the way, I uh, have another person coming up for the next interview. I know a lot of you folks have been asking for interviews. We, uh, As you could tell, uh, maybe, maybe not, I had to re-ramp up the, the uh, podcast because I had to take a little break for some personal reasons. I have coming on board uh, next week or on the next episode, uh, scheduled to come on, someone who's actually in the career of cargo for the airlines. He's a cargo manager for an airline. Now, I'm not sure some of you realize this, but one of the big revenue sources for airlines is what's in the belly of the aircraft. In other words, what's in the cargo hold? They transport mail. They transport cargo. They transport... Like, if you need to get something, say, to Atlanta tomorrow... I'm in Tampa right now, and I need to go to Atlanta. I know that, let's see, Delta Airlines, uh, who else? AirTran, I think, goes there. So I could actually call their cargo department, have it get up there, arrange for someone to pick it up. So it's almost uh, kind of like a FedEx. And and so we're going to hopefully talk a little bit about how cargo is moved by the actual airlines. So think about this next time you're flying on an airline. You know, when you're going from point A to point B, it's not just bags that are underneath. It's also things like mail, that type of thing. I know with the airline that I fly with, we, we carry uh, quite a few uh, documents of mail. We bring the mail. We also, uh, another thing that we do is some medical supplies, and uh, and another interesting thing, we do a lot of uh, human remains, uh, moving them between different countries, because, you know, how do you get somebody uh, from one country to the next when uh, when you have to bury them, that type of thing? Pretty interesting stuff uh, as far as moving cargo around, so can't wait for that episode. Also, uh, I know a- a lately we've been talking a lot about airline jobs, uh, but I really have a- quite a few other things coming up. I have a gentleman who does... Uh, Banner towing down the Everglades, another person that does, uh, uh, she's a, uh, does what do you call seaplane pilots down the, uh, down the Keys and all that. We have a lot of people coming up. So with our new, uh, we have a new uh, person that's actually uh, working on all the scholarships. And his name is Russ, so, if you get a chance, take a look at the scholarships page right now uh we don't have a total of sixty out there yet, but the first ten you can look at for free if you want to look at the next fifty, you have to register and registrations fee free also uh after that it's uh you can either pay the low monthly fee of five dollars or get a year membership for fifty dollars, and that also that year membership, if you do go for that. We'll actually pay for the pilot jobs book and also the practical guide to winter flying. We throw that in. So there's a lot of value there if you're looking for a scholarship. Scholarships available for many different people. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the pilot, uh, the practical guide to winter flying, just a little bit, but uh, the pilot's jobs book, we're going to talk a little later in this. But let's get started with the 10 ways to avoid burnout as an airline pilot. And boy, you know, like I said, there's uh, somebody that I talked to recently, and there's lots of other pilots that I talk to that I fly with, and it's it's not so much how much money they make, it's really that they feel like they're not contributing anymore. Uh, you know, I, a lot of these folks are making, you know, average airline captains making what 137,000 a year. That's an average. A lot of these folks are making upwards of 200 and above, and and you're sitting there thinking, how could these people be burnt out? But see that they, they don't realize the value of what they're doing. So, so you can get burnout in any job, no matter how much money you make. And so we're going to go through a few things to help you, if you're listening, you're an airline pilot, to help you so you don't get burnout. Now, another thing I want you to listen to if you're not an airline pilot, thinking about this as a job, is this might be some insight as to what an airline pilot really does and, and some of the some of the negatives you know, uh, to the job. So number one, there are 10 ways to avoid burnout as an airline pilot. Go ex- Number one, go exploring instead of sitting in the hotel room. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that are airline pilots that have said to me, you know, I've seen a lot of hotel rooms, but I, I really didn't see anything else in my whole career. Well, that's that's your choice. Uh, I understand you need to get rest, and that's really important. But get out there. Go exploring instead of just sitting in, in a hotel room. You know, one of the things that I put together for my family because they can't really travel and also for my friends I put together a website, serendipitousjourney.com, and this is all about my journeys and my discoveries while I'm on overnights. Some of the things that I've discovered is like the the World War I Museum in Kansas City, uh, all these different little museums throughout the world, even around in your backyard. But you're not going to find these unless you go out exploring. And you never know. It might be right around the corner from the hotel you're staying in. There might be some really cool museum. Or there might be some really neat shop or something like that. Ask the locals, of course, be careful, but uh, you know, find people that know the area and go exploring. Grab a taxi cab, have them run you around.
1: Yeah, and you know, when I was in the airlines, Carl, one of the things that I did uh, to go explore was I went running. And I'll never forget, in Lansing, Michigan, I ended up discovering a park. Uh, and so every time I did an overnight in Lansing, I would plan to go running to that park. And it was just a great place. You know, I'd run there and then walk around. I think they had some animals and you were just in nature and it was peaceful and it passed the time really well and got me out of the room. And, you know, I actually ended up bidding Lansing overnight sometimes just to go to that park in the summer. So <laughs> it may be running as a way to get out and see what's out in the town that you're in. That's a great idea is to get
0: out there and run. As a matter of fact, I, I, I tried doing that. I, I'm not a very good runner. I'm a little bit heavy. So if you can't run and you're in my situation, maybe just start by walking and just get out and walk around. And uh, hey, maybe when I get in better shape, I'll be able to
1: do just like you is start running. I'll get to go further. You bring up a good point, though. Walking, I mean, if you a lot of the research on health says walking has just as many, if not sometimes more benefits than running uh, because it's not so stressful on the joints.
0: Right, right. So, Oh, so that's good. I'll, I'm, I'm less stressed then. That's good. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm happy for that. But no, that's one of my goals. I do want to start running. I see people and talk to people that run on overnights, and they just absolutely love it because of the fact that they get to see so much more by running. Running on the beach. I mean, you know, I get to go to a lot of Caribbean countries. I, uh, I did a little bit of running on the beach, which isn't too hard on my joints, and boy, that's a lot of fun too. So that's number one, go exploring instead of sitting in the hotel room. Number two, get a hobby. Now, this sounds funny, but a lot of folks that are into aviation, aviation is all-encompassing. It's everything they do in life. And some of you listening probably think that's true about me. Well, actually, I have so many other hobbies and so many other interests besides aviation. Even though I'm in, I am enjoy, I love aviation, I love all that it brings, but there's so many other hobbies that I have that that aviation adds to. For instance... I'm a big fan of stamps. I collect stamps in what's called First Aid Covers... And the first day of issue of a stamp. So what I like to do is I like to go to these different countries and try to find their stamps. And I'll collect those stamps. I also collect like coins. And so I'll collect some of the coins of the countries I go to. And and I just love art. I love uh, looking at lighthouses. So these are some of my hobbies that have nothing to do with aviation. But what happens to people is they get wrapped up in this career and it's it's everything's about aviation. Well, Take a break. Take Get a hobby. Get something else uh, of interest. Have some other kind of interest. It makes you a lot more well-rounded. I mean, especially one of the other things I love to do is go to art museums. I studied art history when I was in college. Absolutely love going out to the different art museums. So, get a hobby.
1: You know, one of the things that I did, I remember when I was in the airlines, and, you know, after a couple of years, especially in the regionals where we were run kind of hard, is I started reading. And I would take, you know, the book on the airplane. If you were delayed, you'd have something to read before and after flights and in the hotel rooms, especially when you needed to just get out, go and read. And I would read not about aviation. And that helped me find new things I would be interested in and uh, learn about them and actually end up pursuing some of them. So that that was a really good technique that worked for me was just, you know, if you like to read, read. That's a
0: great idea. You know, the reading is something that can really expand your horizons. And, you know, on that same topic, uh, I'm glad you brought this up because there's something else I've been doing. I've been trying to, because of my new job, I'm going to different destinations. And I'll try to read the little tourist magazines, you know, you get in the hotel rooms. I actually try to open those up. And then I discover stores that have, you know, the history of the area. So one of the things I'll do is I'll try to read about the history and about the town that I'm in. And that really is... that that's a great little hobby is just reading. So that's a terrific idea. It's a big stress reliever too. Yes. So number two, get a hobby. Uh, Number three, third way to avoid burnout as an airline pilot, become involved in a charity. You know, one of the best ways for you to feel better about yourself and and to add value to life is, you know, become involved in a charity. It's something that you might be interested in. Say it's, it's animals, say you want to save animals, or you are into the environment, or you're into anything that has to do with a charity, giving something to a good cause, something that you think is a worthy cause. You can get involved in so many different things. I know a lot of the charities I'm involved with uh, are, are around aviation and helping people uh, find jobs in aviation, but more so helping people find money to find jobs in aviation. And the charity, there are so many different charities out there and so many non-profit organizations that you can get involved with. It's incredible. Just down in uh, Haiti, not too long ago, spoke with a gentleman who, a part of his organization, uh, the airline that he works for, is they have a huge outreach program. And during that whole earthquake down in Haiti, they brought in all these supplies, and, and they actually brought troops from their country and flew them in. And it's through this charity organization that they set up. And you know the company I work for now. We have a a huge charitable organization that's set up, and and they've done a wonderful job in their outreach. So you don't even have to you know be alone and and get involved in that charity. You can get involved in the charity with your coworkers, and say you want to get away from work, get involved in the charity. That is nothing, absolutely nothing to do with work, but it really, really is very fulfilling.
1: Yeah, this is a big one. Uh, there, you know, like you, Carl, our the company that I work for has a massive, massive charity, and. From observing them, and I think this is probably true of charities in general in any area they're always looking for help I mean they're always in need of people to do this and do that and one thing you know it's something I think you have to do to really understand and experience, but when you do get involved in a charity, you realize that it's, it's so not just a charity but so much in life is not about you, and it really changes your perspective and and I've changed you know you know everybody in life goes through. Through through phases where you know, hey, things are really good and uh, I feel good, but it could be better. And I can think of the times that I got involved in a charity, and it just it really ups your energy. It's a it's a good thing to do, and definitely can keep you busy while you are out on the road.
0: Yeah, it definitely can. You can be sitting on doing emails all the time, so be careful you you get some sleep too. So <laughs> that's, that's the that's other true. Side. That's <laughs> a, you might get a little burned out from being too involved in the charity. You never know, uh, but yeah, great. Number three, become involved with in a charity. Number four uh is take some time off why i I work with a few folks that they never take any time off they're constantly working a lot of people think that i'm always working and I do I work a lot but what I try to do is i I try to take at least a three or four day weekend uh once a month and just relax and do something a lot of fun away from aviation i'll go kayaking i'll go out on the boat and uh just just to get away from everything. Take some time off from work. No matter what you do. doesn't matter what you do. You need some time to recharge the batteries. There's some people say to sharpen the saw. You know, your saw is not going to work so well unless you take some time off from sawing the wood and, and sharpen that saw again. So take some time off to recharge those batteries.
1: Yeah, this one is a, you know, I mentioned earlier how... You know, we've been slow in flying, so I haven't really been flying all that much. And I'll tell you what ends up happening. And this happens a couple times throughout the year when we have slow periods. But you, you end up rediscovering the passion that brought you to aviation in the first place. I'm going flying tomorrow, and I can't wait. And, uh, yeah, time off has a huge impact in attitude and, and how you approach things.
0: So, yeah, taking time off is is quite important. I uh, The next thing that we have here is 10 ways to avoid burnout is... Number five, pay it forward by helping others with their career. You know, the women fly it forward that uh, Victoria Newville does, uh or Zyko, Victoria Zyko, she's over at the Stuck Mike Avcast, is a wonderful thing. She truly is paying it forward in aviation. She works in aviation insurance and she wants other people to actually pursue their goals. And this is her way of doing that, by by paying it forward, by helping people with their career. I mean, for me, this is obviously all I do on my my time off as far as charitable uh, and also as far as what I do here on the podcast is helping people with their careers, not only in aviation, but in general. You know, pay it forward. Maybe you were involved in, in another career. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're just encouraging somebody, a student, who is moving forward with their career. That is right there, paying it forward, and is very important.
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's true for any of us. I I wouldn't be in my career right now uh, without the help of others. And now starting to give back, be on the other side of that fence where I'm helping other people, uh, it's definitely uh, it, it definitely gives you energy and refocus on the real value that you can bring to the industry and to somebody's life. I mean, there's people, and I think everybody can count one or two or three people in their career, that it changed the entire direction of their life. So yeah, help other people out, it definitely brings back a lot of the passion for flying and aviation.
0: You know, another way to bring back that passion and our number six on the list uh, of ways to avoid burnout is get involved in general aviation. You know, this is how we started. It all started with a small airplane in a general aviation aircraft a little two or four seater and sometimes when we go out to the airport and I just had a friend do this after seven or eight years he finally got himself into a 172 and he went out flying and it was just you could see just the smile was from ear to ear and he was so excited I have another friend that took up glider gliding you know and soaring and just was so excited about being inside an aircraft and flying through the air Sometimes we we forget that that's what we're doing all the time when we're flying these, this equipment. We're so involved in doing, you know, the, the thing that's right, what's legal, and we're concentrating on, on getting the job done that we forget that there was a time when we flew for pleasure. So maybe for you, the way to to end the burnout is to get involved with general aviation.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt that. Flying in the GA world, you know, and I always think my favorite airplane, Carl, is the WACO biplane. (laughs) And uh, they make them out of Battle Creek, Michigan. And it's on my list. One of these days, you know, kind of like your friend finally did it. Well, I'm going to finally do it. But go back there and check out the WACOs and go for a flight and see that, you know, there is more to aviation than just going from A to B. Uh, you know, with passengers, that there's all these other things that you can do. And that is definitely, when I've gone and researched uh, locally here in Phoenix some opportunities to do that, it's just, you know, you you just get excited just doing it because it gives you and exposes you and reminds you that there's a whole other area to aviation uh, and and you get excited about it.
0: You know, it's interesting you said that because there's, Another thing too that I've always wanted to do is fly a Stearman. That's like my favorite. So who knows? One of these days, one of these days, one of us is going to do that. Uh, I'm hoping to do that soon because I found a guy that can teach me how to fly the Stearman just recently. Pretty awesome stuff. But the, the Waco is just awesome. The Waco is awesome. You know, combining that general aviation and also charity, another thing you can get involved with is Pet Rescue. There's an organization called Pilots and Paws. As a matter of fact, I'll I'll leave that in the show notes. So here you are. You can get involved in general aviation. You can use the skill that you have and you can do something good by transporting pets from point A to point B. There's a whole network of moving people around. There's other organizations that help move patients and cancer patients and things like that using general aviation aircraft. It's incredible. So there's two things you could do right there in both in the charity and also general aviation. Well, the next, <laughs> top, next number seven a way to avoid burnout is stay as far away from aviation as possible on your <laughs> days off. So here we're talking about getting involved with general aviation, getting involved with charities and flying, but one of the gentlemen I just flew with said the way that he avoids burnout is he stays as far away as av- from aviation as possible. Now, for me, I I, I have I, my opinion's different and the reason being is that when I talk aviation, I mean going to a small airport when I talk general aviation. When I'm talking airlines, I do there I'll admit there's times I don't even want to see an airline terminal. I don't want to see any passengers. I want to I want to decompress because every time I'm in an airport, you know, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to answer questions. I just want to show up in an airport and go to an airplane and just relax instead of having to always be you know, on guard or on duty, as they say. So that's one way to stay stay away from aviation as as on your days off as much as possible. To me, general aviation isn't like that. But for this person, he stays away from aviation. He doesn't want to be one of those guys that when he's 65 years old, he absolutely hates life because he he spent too much time in aviation. Um, So that's one way, is stay away from aviation as much as possible.
1: You know, the times that I have done that, and I think of vacations – uh, it wasn't intentional. It wasn't like I was trying to avoid aviation, but, you know, after a week or two of not hearing, seeing, you know, anything, aviation or airplanes and you come back and again, you have like a new energy and, and, you know, you, you kind of forgot that you forgot about aviation for a while. And so yeah, time off uh, where you're just away from it completely. And I think it's different for everybody. And this is a balance uh, thing, you know, a lifestyle balance thing, but time off is never, uh, it's always been a good thing in my, in my career. So it's always been a good thing and brought me back with more energy, more passion to do, to do the job and do it good.
0: It's interesting. One of the things that's seared into my memory is when I first started thinking about aviation before I got my licenses, I talked to somebody. It was a commuter flight when I was going down the Bahamas. And I said to him, I said, do you like your job? He says, you know, it's kind of funny. And when I'm at work, by the end of my shift, by the end of my four days, I can't wait to get home. But then after a few days at home, I can't wait to get back to work. Yeah. Like you said, there's a balance there. So you have to balance that, get to the point where you're going home about that time when you you can't wait to get home and get back to work about that time yeah. when you really want to get back to work. And that right there is is, is a really good balance. So uh, staying uh, as far away from aviation as possible, that another thing that can change your life, uh, and by doing that, by staying away, I mean not commuting. Now, what do I mean by that? Most airline pilots commute from one point to another, for instance, for me, I commute over a thousand miles this month to get to work well i'm I actually you know I show up, have to go through security, have to do the whole airline process, and then get to work after about six hours i'm finally at work Well, if i wasn't doing that then I, and I was far away from the airport, I might be a little more excited about going to the airport because it's a little bit fresher when I get there. And, uh, you know, next month I'm actually going to be moving my base to, uh, to down to Florida. So I'll actually get to drive to work, which will make my perspective much different. But one of the ways to stay away from aviation as much as possible is to possibly live in base if you can do it. It's the greatest thing. I mean, uh, I spend a lot of time trying to get to and from work. As a matter of fact, just to give you an example, the other night I finished at one forty-five in the morning took a cab to another airport, got there at 2.45 in the morning to make a 6.15 a.m. flight and came home. And by the time I got home, it was about you know 10 or 11 in the morning, and I was wiped out. I'd been up for a day and a half already, and that was very tiring. So, uh, so if I could have just driven home, it would have been wonderful.
1: You know, and that's a great point that you bring up, Carl, because I think a lot of people, I know when I was looking at the career of being an airline pilot and then did become one, I never thought about where I would live in terms of living in base or living out of base. And for the majority of my career as well, I commuted and it did burn me out. There's no doubt that spending you know, countless red eyes and sleeping on a couch and then doing an eight, 10, 12 hour day. Uh, it, it's just not smart physically. It's not um, in the best interest of anybody. And at the end of the day that it drains you so much that you develop, a, at least I did, I, you develop a bad attitude. And so I think it's a something that you bring up is very important to think about even before you become an airline pilot. When you're going, is this something I want to do? Is think about that because if you end up commuting or having to commute for your entire career and it doesn't work with you, you get burned out.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, as a matter of fact, that's how I got burned out. I was at yeah. the point where that's what, you know, I was like, I don't, I got to change something. And by moving close to base, it totally, it dramatically changed my life. Uh, being 45 minutes from work was so different than being six hours away from work. So you're right, and that, that's that's a terrific way to to try, it. and that's another way to stay away from aviation. Because by the, by the end of the day, you're like, oh, you don't want to deal with passengers anymore. But that's what your job is is to deal with passengers, yeah. you know. So you might that might avoid that. So and, that, and,
1: and it yeah. wears you out, and you're just not going to be at peak performance when you're wore out. Yes,
0: that's for sure. You know, but there's another philosophy there is the fact that. I've heard people say, I'm not moving for a job. Uh, I know when I worked in the corporate world, I moved all the time for a job. And, uh, you know, I did consulting work. So I would have to move every six months to a year to a different city. And I would I would go there, find an apartment, and they would they would actually, they would help me find an apartment. But, you know, being close to work, my life was so much easier. I got out of work, I was done. So that's kind of in general in life. It's better to be a little bit closer to your job. So the other uh, way to to not uh, become burnout as an airline pilot, another way is to, to look back at your passengers and remind yourself, you know, how important your job is. A lot of times when we're sitting up front, and I heard this from a gentleman the other day, he says, anything that ha- happens behind the cockpit door has nothing to do with me. I was like, wow, um, you just become very disconnected from your job because you're carrying passengers, and those people behind you are actually... Uh, the people that are paying your salary. So you have to be really in tune with that. But no, you, you really need to sometimes look behind you and and, and see you know, the person in 5A who's with their child and look at the, the elderly people you're taking to Florida to the snowbirds and the people that you're rejoining with their families and realize how important your job is because a lot of times when you do get burnt out, you start getting sloppy. And what you need to do is realize you know that person in the back there They think that you're doing the best job you can every time you fly, and and you do owe it to your passengers. So make sure you look back every so often when you go through the the terminal, look around. I do this a lot as I look around and look at people, remind myself who I'm carrying, and, and realizing that our cargo truly is precious. We're bringing people from point A to point B. If you want to go out and, and do things, you know, that are risky, do that on your own time. Uh, but one way to realize how important your job really is to realize that that person behind you is relying on you. Not for the everyday stuff, you know, maybe to help you get to your destination quicker. But the times when something goes wrong, that's when they're relying on you. Sometimes they don't even realize something's going on. But you're fixing it and you're making that that actual flight continue on in a safe manner. Without them even knowing about that, and letting them continue to sip their soda or sip their coffee.
1: Yeah, you, that's such a true point that you bring up, Carl. Is that it's it's. I remember when I realized in a, when I was an airline pilot, I realized that I was I was not flying people from A to B. And and I think I, I can remember this. It was in I believe it was Buffalo, New York. And I remember when it hit me, and I saw that it was a big family that we were taking. And, and it's just kind of fuzzy, so just bear with me here. But we took a big family when I when I walked off the jetway into the terminal. That family that was on the airplane, and I didn't realize this until we were getting off the plane, but they were meeting their family, and this was when they could all go through. You know, they didn't have to be held behind security, so they were all at the gate and they were meeting and hugging. They hadn't seen each other in years, and some had come in from Europe, joined our connecting flight, and and I realized I'm not taking people from A to B, like I'm connecting people, like I, you know. There's so much, you're not just doing a transportation job. There's so much more that you're doing. And it's a framing thing. And you have to kind of step back and realize what, what, you know, the end goal. You know, you always hear that um, saying you know, people don't buy drills. Uh, people don't want to drill. They want a hole in the wall, you know? <laughs> and, <right. laughs> and it's like the same thing. People don't want to, you know, especially today don't necessarily want to travel from A to B, but they do want to get to their family or they do want to get to their vacation or they do want to get to this conference or whatever it is. And so it's definitely a way that you frame it. And, uh, w- when you can develop a definition for you of what you're doing, it really makes the why so much more powerful.
0: Great. That's a great point. And, you know, that's something that I try to do every day is try to say, hey, why am I doing this? Why am I going to work? And, and why am I putting this effort forward? So I think that's really important to do, you know, which leads into the next uh, way to avoid burnout. And that's number nine, to try and increase your knowledge about the airplane or the flying environment. And because you are carrying such precious cargo you're carrying people, you're connecting people, one of the things that you could do is increase your knowledge about your systems in your aircraft or the flying environment because that actually makes it safer. I know a lot of folks, they they just want to learn how to operate the airplane, but if you can get a depth of knowledge either in the environment you're flying in or in the aircraft you're operating, it really makes a huge difference because you'll have that much more confidence. For instance, recently I had a system in the aircraft that actually failed on the ground And it was making a huge grinding noise. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, what are we going to do about this? Well, actually, we had the ability to disable it on the ground, and then in flight, the backup system would work. So, yeah, it was a comfort item on the aircraft, but it didn't matter as much. But we were able to – I wasn't able to figure that out that system out because I didn't have the knowledge of that system. But the person I was flying with said, oh, yeah, this is what happens. It turns on at 16,000 feet. Don't worry. We just shut it off on the ground. It'll work fine. We'll get out of here. It's like, wow. You know, if I had the knowledge of that system, I would have felt a lot more confident. And if it was something even more important, maybe have added to the safety
1: of the flight. I can't help here, uh, Carl, when you mention this, but think of the Sully Sullenberger uh, flight into the river. And I, I don't know where I heard him say this, or maybe I read it in his book or somewhere. And he said, you know, for years, I was making little deposits into an account. And he was talking about, you know, increasing his knowledge and staying current and, you know, being proactive about everything in flying. He was for years, I was making little deposits into an account. And that day when we hit the geese, uh, I made a huge withdrawal. Yeah, I just so applicable because it's easy to get complacent and the airplanes just work so well so often. Uh it's easy to just skip this. But it's definitely a way that you can dive in and, and um find a new a new energy and a new passion for for aviation. Airline corporate general doesn't matter. And that's for sure.
0: I know the last airplane I was in I had six thousand hours in. So I really knew everything about the systems. The plane I'm in now only have about five hundred hours and I'm looking at the systems and, and something goes wrong and that was with a, you know, happened the other day. And the guy's like, oh, just this is all that is happening. And I'm like, well, hang on. Let me look through this. <laughs> and he's like 10 steps ahead of me. And I'm I'm just like, okay, I'll do this. I'll do that. I'm running through the checklist. And he's sitting there like, twiddling his thumbs like, okay, new guy. Let's get this over with. <laughs> but see, he was at the point where he, he had already made those deposits. And I was that yeah. day making a deposit. And it was quite interesting. But that was my deposit for that day. So now that happens, I'll remember it. That's for sure. Number 10 on our list, which is the last one. Uh, and this is important, uh, I feel, because this happens a lot to airline pilots, especially once you start making a lot of money as a captain, whether it's a regional or at a major. Number ten, don't let your lifestyle grow into your salary, and avoid feeling like you have to go to work to pay the bills. I tell you, I flew with a, I flew with a gentleman the other day, and you know, I was in starting salary, I was making hardly anything. This person was was making, you know. Well over a hundred thousand more than I was making per year, and he looks at me and says, "You know, you have more money than I do." I was like, "What do you mean?" He says, "I I have all these bills." He had like twenty thousand dollars a month in bills. I was like, "Wow!" And he was working just to pay those bills. I was like, "That's incredible," and I hope I never get to that point. And you know, recently, you know, I was sharing this with Tom is that you know we've had uh, an increase in our salaries in our home quite a bit lately so we were thinking of changing our lifestyle and we said to ourselves well gosh let's not do that let's let's continue on the way we are uh obviously we can give more to charity i can put more towards the show but also it allows me to go to work and realize that if if this you know fails for me this job or whatever if uh, another 911 happens i'll be more confident there's nothing worse than working from month to month just to pay the bills especially when you start moving up in the, into the higher salaries. and I'll never forget when I started out in the computer business. I was with a gentleman who was in the carpentry business, and he said, you know, usually what happens to these carpenters is once they start making some money, they go out and buy a brand new truck, and then they buy brand new equipment. And then all of a sudden they're in debt, and they got to get more jobs, and they take on jobs that they sh- they think they shouldn't. Well, that's going to happen to you too, and you don't want that to happen. So try not to let your lifestyle grow into your salary you know, use real money, use, use your wealth to purchase things, use, use cash to try to purchase as much as you can, especially in those fun things. Cause, uh, you know, we live in a society where it's, we talk only about payments instead of owning things. Whereas, you know, I like the opposite. I like to own things instead of making payments.
1: Carl, your advice here, I think applies to not just, uh, airline pilots, but anybody in any career, really. I mean, It all comes down probably to what's important to you and when you keep that in mind, it's easy to direct your spending decisions. Well,
0: gosh, this was kind of fun going over this list, and I, I had to put this together because of the fact that I, I've been flying with a few folks that are, are truly are burnt out for many different reasons. And I hope this has helped you. Also, if you have some suggestions on other ways to to not become burnt out as a pilot, uh, maybe even in any career, send them in to us. Go to Aviation Careers Podcast. Go to the contacts page. But again, a review of the 10 ways to avoid burnout as an airline pilot. Number one, go exploring instead of sitting in the hotel room. Number two, get a hobby. Number three, become involved in a charity. Number four, take some time off. Number five, pay it forward by helping others with their career. Number six, get involved in general aviation. Number seven, stay as far away from aviation as possible on your days off. Number eight, look behind you at your passengers and remember how important your job is. Number nine, try to increase your knowledge about the airplane or flying environment. And number 10, don't let your lifestyle grow into your salary and avoid feeling like you have to work just to pay the bills. So those are the top 10 things, uh, ways to avoid burnout as an airline pilot. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, One of the things we're going to do, and Tom, you have some time, I'm sure we could uh, move on to some questions. It's up to you. Yeah, I've got time. Great, Awesome. Uh, We have quite a few questions uh, that have come in since the last episode And uh, I really appreciate this discussion, and some of these questions seem like uh, they're repeats and there are some episodes where I do talk about some of these things, so I may point you to some previous episodes, but these are, you know, have a little bit of different color to them, so we'll talk a little bit about them. But before I get started with the questions, and Tom, and when I'm talking about this, maybe you might have an example of this too, I had a discussion yesterday uh, one of the things on this podcast I try to do is be as positive as possible, and i 'm trying to encourage you in your career, no matter what that is. But I also want to give you the opportunity to see everything about this career, both the things that are positive and also the challenges within this career. Well, after a discussion with a flight attendant who wants to become a pilot i had i last night he finally came up to me and said, "Listen carl, you know i I hate to say this, but i've decided i don't want to be a pilot." I don't want to be an airline pilot. I don't mind getting my, you know, pilot's license and all, but I don't want to pursue this as a career. And I was like, wow. I, I said, you know, you seem so encouraged. You, you seem so positive. Now, can I, do you mind if I ask you why you don't want to become an airline pilot anymore? Now, understand this person's a flight attendant, so they he gets to hang out with pilots all the time, and he's always asking pilots about their career. But he's also living it because he's a flight attendant. And one of the things that he told me is like, you know, I hear this all the time from people that have children, is that they don't get to see their kids, they're talking to their kids on Skype, and they're somewhat absentee parents. And he didn't want to do that. He wanted to be, he wanted to raise a family, he wanted to be around his children all the time. Well, obviously there's other careers in aviation that he can go towards that don't involve being part of a flight crew. See, flight crew, that's going to happen. But say you still want to be involved with aviation, there's so many other jobs that you can do that don't take you away from your family every night. You know, you can work at the airport, become, say, a mechanic. You can, you know, be home every night. So, you know, I really I give this person credit. Uh, he took about a year, it seemed, uh, to actually make this decision. And I'm glad he looked at it and said, hey, you know, this isn't for me. Now, on the flip side of that coin, I I personally think that once you get to a certain level, and I brought this up to him, once you get to a certain level, you have a lot of time at home with your kids. You can get involved with with you know, running their baseball teams, etc. But to do that, he brought up, you have to be a little bit more senior, and you do have to go through the process, because when you're junior, you get the worst schedules, and you have to work on the weekends and on holidays, and that's what I'm doing right now, because I changed airlines. Well, you know I understand that and that that can uh that can be tough and if that is tough and that's something that that and I hear that every so often uh, I wish I could do something else where I could be home with my kids all the time. If that's something that's important to you then then yeah maybe maybe being a flight crew member isn't for you but there's other things you can do. You can do banner towing, uh, you can do some flight instructing on the side, that type of thing where you don't have to be away. Uh I, I don't know, Tom. I I feel like I've discouraged somebody. And and from becoming an airline pot, which you know that's that's good, I, I guess that that I've done that. I've I've um and people do tell me that is that one of the things they like about the show is I do get, show the positives and negatives. Uh, have you ever had such an experience, Tom?
1: I can't think of one that I've had personally, but I do want to say that you know congratulations to that that person, that flight attendant, for realizing that because I think it's very easy in this career, especially when it's you know you're looking at the romance of it to it's very easy to not zoom out, you know, to, to not kind of back up and look at the full picture and for him to understand what he wanted and then apply it and apply that test to the career and realize, Hey, this, this might not work, but I could still fly, but maybe this won't be the best career that I, I think that was really smart of him. And I'm glad that your show was able to help him realize that.
0: Well, we don't ever want to discourage anybody from becoming an airline pilot, but if if that's true, then, you know, because we all obviously have so much uh, passion for aviation and for flying, then then that that's great that he's made that decision. Uh, we'd love to see him stay in aviation because he does like being around airplanes. Uh, again, there's so many different avenues you can go and management, et cetera. As a matter of fact, I have a, a station manager that I'm going to have on the show uh, coming up in the future. And here's a gentleman who's uh, always been at home his whole life, and he's been working at the airport. He's been home every night to see his kids. And that was one of the reasons he decided not to become a pilot also. He's been doing that for 35 years. So I can't wait to have him on the show. So so I, I look forward to more feedback from that individual. Uh, he knows I'm going to mention him on the, on the show tonight and uh, see where he goes in his career. just kind of curious if he stays in the aviation. Well, moving on to some of our questions, our Q&A here. Uh, again, I appreciate all the questions. If you want to write in, go to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash contact. Uh, and you can actually write in a question. We'll try not to use your name. If you want us to use a name, we will. And uh, give us the question. You can be as specific as possible. We'll try to make uh, it as generic as possible when we answer it here and give a little bit of background so we can get some color to it. Uh, the other thing, too, if you could do is I always ask people what's the one step they've taken this week, this month towards their aviation career goal. Uh, maybe write in and, and give us an idea what that is. Send pictures, too. I love uh, sharing pictures. I may even start sharing some of those on uh, on the Facebook page, uh, I think. You can do that too, I forget how to do that, but you can you can stick it on my wall post a, a photo on on the wall on the Facebook page to share you know one the one step you've made maybe it's uh reading a chapter, taking your c f i for me for instance uh today, I just started my c f i renewal, so that's my one step towards uh my career goal and uh of continuing to to be able to teach <laughs> so so that's one thing that i've done, so i 'll share that with you. Uh, But first question actually is a follow-on from the last episode, in episode 46, where we had a military pilot on. Steve Molos is a person that helps me a lot uh, with military questions, and he's been in the military. He also uh, was a committee member on a committee I was on uh, helping people on leaves of absence. He did all the military leaves of absence, and the person wrote in and was wondering if 1,800 hours— at 1800 hours, that was, that was not enough time to start applying to the airlines, especially to the majors. And uh, he, he wanted to know if he should uh, continue to apply. I, or to apply at all, maybe continue his, uh, his current career in the, in aviation with the military. Steve wrote in and let, let me give you Steve's answer to this. Steve's reply is no, there's no reason he shouldn't apply. I would tell him to get his resume in with the legacy slash majors. And he can continue doing his time in the military until they call him. By the time he interviews and gets hired, he'll be close to getting out of the military. In addition, he can give the airlines that hire him an availability date that reflects the date he separates or retires. So that's important. Usually when you look at a job and say you're a military pilot and you want to go into corporate aviation, I'm going to let Tom talk a little bit about that, but most airline jobs will ask you, when are you available? Usually you'll say, I have two weeks availability, but they do know that if you're in the military that you have a unique situation and you may not be able to separate right away. So make sure... If you're in the military, you tell them what date you can apply, but I think especially with the military hours, if you have less hours, uh I would they look at the military experience as as very good experience I do also. So if you were to apply with a corporate job, I think the same might apply. Is that true, Tom?
1: You know, that's a it's tough to answer that because a lot of times in corporate, we from what I've seen, there's not a forecast as to needing staff. It's more of a uh, you know, hire-as-needed scenario. So in the same breath, however, that doesn't mean don't get your stuff in. If there's a company that you'd want to work for, I think the key is probably not only getting your stuff in but starting the relationship uh, because that seems to go a lot further in corporate aviation so that when there is uh, hiring that needs to happen, um, they've already got somewhat of, I guess I'm holding up air quotes, they've got a pool, so to speak, of people who have already started having conversations with them
0: You know, it's interesting you said that. You brought up a good point as far as the airline hiring is concerned. You can start a relationship in any job, no matter what you're looking for uh, in aviation. Uh, As far as the airlines are concerned, I have a very close friend that he was looking at a job at the airlines. But what happened is he started a relationship with the airline that he was applying to because he had so much knowledge in a certain area that he called them and said, "Hey, listen, I can help you guys with this," and uh, they said, "Well, we're not hiring at all." He says, "No, I understand that, but I have knowledge in this area," and he was able to to put together some programs for that airline and get them in touch, get the airline in touch with the people they need to get in touch with for this program. And you know what happened? He uh, he actually was invited for an interview two weeks ago, and with that same airline that was helping out. So he started building a relationship a while ago and this relationship built into him getting a job interview i'll let you know hopefully in the next a- episode or so if he actually got the job i'm hoping he did <laughs> so building relationships is incredibly important incredibly important as a matter of fact i've always said this if you know the chief pilot of any airline or any corporate department and you have a you're on a one-on-one basis with him you're on first name basis and you can call them anytime you have a higher probability of being interviewed and hired uh, with that person and that airline or that corporate department, it really does help to, to you know you shop where you want to shop because you know that area that you're shopping same thing with people if you 're looking for people you you find people that you know through people you know also so that 's really important so yeah the uh as far as the military job, just just I would start getting your stuff out there don 't think you don't have you shouldn 't apply right now uh, make sure you get your stuff out there and uh, and move forward. Uh, next question actually is a, a a question that comes in from uh, someone who says, uh, I'm a huge fan of your podcast. Uh, this podcast is an awesome way to expose people to aviation. I was wondering if you can do an episode on what it's like to be a UAV pilot. This sector is continuing to grow, and it would make sense to make an episode on it. Thanks. Uh, you know, thanks for that question. I did have someone lined up, but they weren't able to do the interview, and uh, uh, we I actually have somebody else in mind. I the one the one issue I'm having a little bit with the people I'm going towards, I'm going to kind of change who I'm going towards, is I've been working with some of the folks in the military, and um, they're on certain missions. And usually these missions are top secret, and they wind up leaving, and it's like, hey, where'd you go? I says, oh, man, I had to go to wherever, and, and I just got back. I was like, oh, darn. Uh, so a lot of times they're involved in these things where they can't tell anybody where they're going, that type of thing. So it's a little bit tougher. I do have one person. And this is interesting. He got involved with UAVs or, or unmanned aircraft systems on the on another side of the house. He actually is into aviation photography, and he is the person that's in charge of making sure that all the photographs come out properly. It's pretty cool. Some of the stuff he's described uh, when they they can actually go out and and they have like a a you know line of scrimmage view, if you want to put it that way, since we just had the Super Bowl. He, he was right on, on the line, and he's looking at the troops actually fighting. And also, he was able to find people that were you know, hiding in the woods or hiding behind a fence or a wall and tell other troops where they were so that they wouldn't get hurt. And I thought that was pretty darn cool. So I'm hopefully going to have maybe him on, on the podcast, too, about what he does uh, as a military pilot with UAVs and... Uh, also in uh, photography, because he's also on the side, he does aerial photography, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, I don't know, you know about Google Earth, but there's, you know, many different services that keep mapping and mapping and ma- mapping. So uh, those jobs may wind up being more so with unmanned aircraft systems as they open up those, the airspace to commercial flight. Not right now, but but sometime in the future, it will be. Um, so... Tom, do you have any friends that have done, have worked in the UAVs?
1: Yeah, I've got a friend who left, um, the short answer is yes, and he left a major fractional carrier, oh, about a year ago, went through a year of training, and now, you know, the only, I guess this is my limited exposure to the UAV world, but the, the downside that I see is that he is now deployed, he's a civilian working for a civilian company, but he is deployed overseas, and, um... You know, if, if 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 traveling overseas and living overseas or living away from where you would like to live and raise a family and all those types of things is important to you, it might be an issue from what I've seen in the UAV world because uh, my friend indeed had to travel with the airplane, so to speak.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, this person that I know, he didn't travel with the airplane, but he traveled, like you said, he traveled to a, a spot where the airplane, the telemetrics and all that neat stuff was telemetry was coming in. So uh, he was somewhere in the United States doing photography uh in somewhere in the Middle East. Isn't pretty, that amazing? Yeah. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, wow, that's that's pretty cool stuff. Uh you didn't really tell me much about it, but that was kind of the general overview. That's that's the other thing too. A lot of a lot of those military jobs, you know, it's uh somewhat confidential and there's uh there's like you have to have a top secret clearance obviously and uh so there's a few things they can't talk about, but in generality they can. The commercial UAV stuff though, if you notice uh there's there's some interesting things happening Lately, because, uh you know, if you do it as a hobby, you know, doing those, those, uh what do you call them, octocopters or whatever, and you're, you're taking pictures, that's fine. But once you start taking pictures, and it's a commercial use, things change uh, with the FAA. So you have to be very careful. I and mean, we've heard of actually reporters getting arrested uh, for using these devices so they can get pictures. Uh, so I've actually seen them on, on TV. Gosh, I, I see, I watch, what is it, the Home and Garden TV, and I've seen them use those to take some shots that they take. It's pretty cool stuff. Wow. Yeah, neat, neat stuff. Um. Anyway, moving on to the next question. Yes, we will have somebody that does unmanned aircraft systems on uh, coming up here shortly. Uh, like I said, we're uh, we're putting a lot more interviews together because I know you folks like that. Um, not so much the Q&A like we've been doing lately, but we're not going to stop the Q&A. Believe me, this is terrific stuff. Next question says, hi, Carl. I've recently discovered your podcast and really enjoy listening to it. I'm on the cusp of my 40th birthday and I've always loved aviation and I'm considering a career change. The majority of the websites dedicated to career aviation seem to be dominated by negativity. I know it's just a job for a lot of these guys, but they seem to forget that they are still flying a plane. My reason for writing this is to thank you for your providing a realistic but overall positive insight into the world of aviation as a career. It is great to fire up your podcast on the way into work and dream about a future career in aviation, or whether that may turn out to be for me. Regards. And uh, he... <laughs> Thanks for the, the wonderful comments. By the way, there was something there that I, I missed when I, I first answered him and wrote him back. He said that he listens to this on the way to work. Here's something that I, I want to mention. One of the things that I've always believed in is to to constantly put positive influences into your mind and put them into your ears. Uh, you do become what you listen to. You become what you read. So make sure you're reading and listening to positive things that are moving forward. It may have nothing to do with aviation. You know, I, I listen to quite a few podcasts. I listen to books on tape all the time when I'm commuting to work, and it's it's primarily about careers. It's primarily about being successful in life so that I can pass that information along to you folks. But it, it really has helped me grow tremendously. And I think that every, you know, there, what was it, uh... Nightingale Conant, their books and their audio tapes have been wonderful. I've listened to so many of them. Uh some of the old, old books that are out there are terrific. And not just this podcast, but those books on tape are are terrific things to listen to. Uh, I think I think anybody should really, really look at, at listening to those type of things. And you actually we have a an aviationcareerspodcast.com. podcast dot com. I have a link to, to some of those books on tape if you want to take a look at those. You can actually get one for free uh, if you click on the uh the icon there. Uh, but yeah, definitely keep listening to those tapes on on the way to uh, to your job, and listen to this. I hope you know. Like I said, it's nice to have this to, and and that brings me back to here. I go with my ten ways of not getting burned out. It brings me back to why am I doing this? I'm an episode 47, and I have to remind myself what am I doing here, and and I have to remember that in episode one, I. Realize that there was nothing out there when I started in aviation, nothing that could tell me much about the jobs, and nobody that could counsel me. So I said to myself, "I got to make a difference somehow," and that's why I did this. You know, I want to give everybody an inside view into the aviation careers, but not just flying, but every aviation career. And and I'm hoping that this is this is helping you. I really do hope this can help you. So um, yeah, I think I think it's uh, you know, you're approaching your 40th birthday. Uh, there's certain things about your career. Uh, that you have to be practical about uh, as far as what you 're going to do uh, there's you know there's many different jobs out there you can start making money right away. Uh, I know one of the things that was important to you and you and I talked with this person is is maybe fast tracking uh, your way into an aviation career uh you want you had a, you set a goal for making up to sixty thousand dollars a year so let me share some stats with you and then i 'm going to let Tom talk a little bit about this but um as far as should you fast track to your career, you have the support of your spouse, you have a family, um, but you you really want to do this. Well, that is what I did. I when I finally I paid for certain things, but when I finally made the decision, I said, okay, I'm gonna you know, slowly move out of my other job, uh, and I did that over a period of six months, and then move into this career. And certain things I knew I would have to pay for by borrowing money. For instance. Uh, to finish up my flight instructor certificate, uh, I actually had to borrow some money for my double-I, I should say, my CFI I paid for cash, but uh, then for my multi-instructor. But I did that, both of those I did in an accelerated program so that I could get through it quickly so I could start moving forward to make money. So yeah, I'm a big fan. Uh, there, there's a few things that I'm a real fan of borrowing money for. One of them is an education that will bring you forward to actually making some money and uh, just in general. Tom, do you you have any comments on that before I get into some of the the, the dollars and cents?
1: No, I I don't really have anything to add there. I mean, for him, it's really going to come down to probably, you know, putting a timeline and setting some goals and seeing if that's realistic with his, you know, if he has a family and those types of things.
0: Yeah, and you know, I I said this. I said, as far as the goal, and that was one of the things I'll I'll commend you for is you you set a goal for making, say, $60,000 a year. And most people don't do that, and I didn't do that. And then finally, when I did, I made it. It's kind of interesting. I never had that goal. So if you're not shooting at a target, you're going to miss the target because you're not shooting at it. So Very once true. I made, a, I set up that target. I, I made it to where I wanted to go. You know, mine was I wanted to make you know forty five thousand dollars by a certain number of years, and I finally did that. But so let, let's look at that sixty thousand dollars. Let's, let's take that number here, and let's take it, look at some numbers as far as uh, airline and commercial pilot jobs. And by the way. I'm going to put these links at the bottom of the of the uh, episode 47. This is from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So, these are numbers that I'm getting off their website. As far as airlines and commercial pilots, you know, they talk about the median annual wages. Remember median is the is the person in the middle. We're talking like $114,000 a year for all airline pilots. Uh for just commercial pilots alone, uh not the airline and the commercial pilots, we're talking about seventy three thousand dollars as a median uh, and you know if you look at it compared to all occupations in the United States, all occupations are thirty four thousand now let's get a little more granular with all these numbers uh let's look at uh, see the median annual wage for commercial pilots was we said seventy three to to uh, seventy three thousand two hundred and eighty in two thousand and twelve but the bottom ten percent made thirty eight thousand the top ten percent made one hundred and thirty five thousand So you can, I think, within three to five years make that $60,000 if you are on that fast track. Like you said, uh, it took me approximately, see, let's see, a one, yeah, it was about that long before I actually was making that kind of money uh, in an airline job. Uh, There's other ways to make it faster. Uh, I feel corporate is one of those jobs that you can start off uh, fairly quickly and make some money. Uh, compared to the airlines, because airlines they start you a lot lower than
1: most corporate jobs do. Uh, Tom, isn't that true? That's been my experience. Yes, and the other thing I've noticed too, when looking at jobs, if, if money is one of its primary goals, and and you know that's not a bad thing uh, because we all have to make a living, uh, is to look at the operation, no matter if it's airline, corporate, government, nonprofit, whatever it might be, and, and if they're trying to use the airplane to make money. Chances are, from what I've seen, that's going to be a slower climb up the salary scale or the income scale than if you're with an operation that is trying to use the airplane to add value to their business. They're not trying to use it to make money. So it's something to think about when you're looking at opportunities and, and income is, you know, in the top uh, areas of concern is how, what are they using the airplane for?
0: You know, Tom, to get a little more granular with the numbers, because he set up a goal. So let's try to let's move towards that. Let me give you some numbers as far as the, uh, regional airlines. And this comes from the Airline Pilots Association. Uh, they actually have earnings in the beginning uh, as low, around 20000 20, 25000 That's not much when you start out with a, a regional airline. Uh, that wages increase fairly rapidly and fairly quickly. Um, but the average airline captain at a regional, I think these are 2012 numbers if I'm correct you're looking at the average of $55,000 per year, the average captain at a regional, $55,000 per year. The average at a major is one hundred and thirty-five, as we mentioned. So it's quite a big difference there. You can actually go to a major or, excuse me, a regional and, and make some good money. But uh, that 55000 a year, I'll give you, you know, I'll just share with you my first or not my first, my second year as a regional captain, I made six figures. Uh, so, I made over a hundred thousand a year, so that can be done, and that was done within five and a half years of when I started with the airlines okay so that 's about six and a half years total now moving forward let 's and this is kind of fun to do this as far as numbers are concerned let 's talk a little bit about the median wages let 's go down you know the person in the middle as far as different commercial pilots and i 'll put this on the website this is really cool stuff for non scheduled uh air transport non-scheduled air transport i have uh, 73600 for the for the uh median i'll round these up to make it quick ambulance services we're looking at 70000 technical and trade schools those are private trade schools you're looking at like 69000 uh, that 's like even being like a an instructor at a big big school scenic and sightseeing transportation and support activities we 're looking at sixty six thousand Look at all those jobs that make that type of money again that 's that 's double the median salary of some of the of a, of an of, of regular all occupations so that 's pretty good that 's a decent salary so making that as a goal is a is a is a very much a possibility. To make it to that to that number, of course, as a major airline pilot, you should be making that within your second year, um, over this the sixty thousand mark. Now let's look a little bit towards a. I think Tom, you have some numbers on the corporate side.
1: Yeah, on the corporate side, and uh, these are published by NBAA, which is basically the um, industry trade group in the corporate world. But the the sixty thousand and up number really starts in the sized jets. You know Hawkers uh Lear forties, uh, some of the larger citations, and that you know you can get into those starting around the sixty to seventy number as a first officer and uh, and then go up all the way obviously to what you fly, uh Carl, and the Boeing's and the Airbus and those things uh, approach a hundred thousand as uh, a right seat as a first officer, of course, on the captain side for the mid size usually starting around the seventies and uh on the smaller and the mid sized jets, and then for the heavy know, Falcon 7Xs and Global Expresses and the and the Airbuses and those things um, uh, average about 150, 120 to 150.
0: Yeah, and that's that's those are pretty good numbers. They're somewhat comparable to the airlines as you're looking at the bigger the plane. So the bigger the plane we can say the, the more money you're gonna make. Yeah. That type of thing. This is actually kind of fun. I look at I like putting numbers to this. I am so glad that you wrote in and, and put a number to what it is you want to do and how much money you need to make, because I, I think uh it's not all about the money. But paying the bills is all about the money. And you need to know how many bills you have and how much money you need to make to pay those bills. So that's that's very important. Uh there's needs and there's wants. Um, you know, I want to make a million dollars a year. Uh, but uh do I need that much to survive? No, I definitely don't. Uh but to have, you know, my house in Maui and then another one in the Bahamas, I'm gonna to need to make that kind of money. So there's the wants. There's the differences. Uh, I say that somewhat tongue in cheek, but uh but it's true. I mean there's you know, I'd love to win the lottery too. Uh so let's put some real numbers down and and uh, that sixty thousand dollar goal is is a good one. I'd like to hear what other people you know, I know there's a lot of airline pilots that listen to this and and hear what they have to say. I, I'm I I'm gonna preempt one thing though, and I've I've heard this a few times, is people say, Hey, listen, I've never made anywhere near that as a regional pilot. Uh some of the folks got caught in this this whole <clears throat> slowdown the economy. And there's a lot of first officers out there that never made it to captain, but I'll tell you what, a lot of people I'm listening to, they're also going to the majors and flying the Airbuses and flying the seven thirty-sevens and flying the the heavy metals. So, you know, you're you know, they're there they're making a lot more money. So it does turn out to be the same in a similar amount of time. This one's a little more protracted, possibly. Uh I usually always tell people, give yourself five years, give yourself up to ten years possibly. Uh and, and just keep a lot of money in the bank. This is one of those careers where you need to do that, that's for sure. Uh, so Tom, thanks for those numbers. Hey Tom, if you could send me the link, we'll we'll put that link on our on the website here.
1: That'd be great. Yeah, I might be able to send numbers. This is unfortunately out of a magazine that I'm oh, reading, the, okay. uh, <laughs> the industry magazine based on a salary survey. But uh, okay, well, we can uh, put some rough numbers. I can maybe yeah. email some. Yeah, rough that'd numbers. be terrific.
0: Yeah. That'd be terrific. And NBAA, that's a great organization. Uh, you know, a lot of people think that I'm only into airlines, but I, I'm a very much involved in, uh, especially the local corporate aviation and organizations. Uh, not just on the career side, but it's. Uh, I think it's important. For all of us to come to the table, whether you're an airline pilot, a corporate pilot, or your local resident when it comes to, to local issues. And I think uh, getting involved in those organizations can be good for you. I know people that do join them just for networking. So that's, that's pretty important there. Um, anyway, moving on to the next question it says, uh, hello, I'd like to have an idea if I can still pursue a career in aviation as a, po- as a pilot. This person is 51 years. Old and uh, looks forward to discussing this with him. And of course, you can. I mean, you uh, you can pursue a career no matter what your age is. But of course, with an airline, you're looking at retirement at sixty five thousand, or she's sixty five. Now we're talking salary So much I'm at a thousand dollars. <laughs> sixty five years old. Uh, so you know, never give up on that flying job. But uh, but look up. You know, maybe you want to look at banner towing. There's many other jobs out there. You did mention that you wanted to know some things about corporate jobs we uh, had a a long discussion with this person over the internet and uh we looked at uh, corporate jobs and and things that we've done in the past with this this podcast so let me just mention those real quickly and then I'll I'll let Tom answer some of this but there's we had a couple episodes uh episode 33 was with Chris Thren, and he flew the world as a, as a corporate pilot. He's now an airline pilot, but he actually did a lot of the hiring for the corporation he worked for, and he talks a lot about how to get hired at that corporation, uh, or at corporations in general, and what he looks for when he's interviewing people. Uh, and also another episode we did uh, way back is talking about you know, what business and private aviation actually is, and, uh, I actually interviewed you, Tom, on that episode, episode 14, but there's some yeah. really good information to get out of that. Uh, so that, that's really important to, to actually look towards all those different things that are out there. The other thing too is, um, you'll hear a lot of people say, yeah, it's too late. Um, I think it's, it's like anything else, you know, say you want to become a dentist at the age of 50. Uh, it's going to be, uh, fairly difficult because of the fact that you, Um, you know, you have to go to school and you have to get a lot of schooling and then you have to go and do, you know, some practice and then you get your practice up and running. So it's going to take a while. Say you're, say you're looking at the opposite. Um, and I'll let, you know, Tom answer this one too. So I guess there's two questions Tom's going to answer. 51, are you too old? And number two is say, say you are somebody who's in a profession that makes really good money. Let's pretend you're a dentist and, uh, or some kind of doctor and you're making really good money, and then you see your friends that are corporate pilots, and they're making really good money, and they—you think that you're going to make that same kind of salary? Uh, you, you see your friends that are making just as much as you are. Well, it took them a long time to get there, so you have to—you have to think about that. Is don't. Don't give up your day, day job right away. Really look at it and and plan it out. Just like the person that wrote in and said, "I want to know how long it's going to take me to get to making sixty thousand dollars a year." I think that's a great question you should ask yourself. You need to ask yourself how long it's going to take to get to two hundred thousand a year. That's a different story. And and I I know in the airline world you're looking at you know a captain, a somewhat senior captain at a major airline normally, and you can also be you know a, a first officer and make that kind of money, but on on a larger aircraft it might take you up to 15 years to get to that point. So, Tom, those two questions. You know, 51, is he too old? Maybe to even look at the corporate world and, you know, say you're a professional and you want to change careers. Is that is that an idea?
1: Well, you know, it, I guess it depends what is his definition of pursuing a career. Because at 51, I think you're, you're spot on, Carl, where maybe that's not going to be a viable path to the left seat of a 777 making, you know, a quarter million dollars. But if that definition of a career for him is simply getting up in the sky and giving back and... Making contributions I, I see and, and the amount of wisdom that somebody at fifty one year old fifty one years old has that that I, you know I can see it applying to aviation in so many ways in decision making and thought processes what about a career teaching i mean we need this industry is desperate right now for qualified experienced not just in the airplane but in life uh, educators and so what does that career look like when he says i 'm fifty one and you know, wondering if I can still pursue a career. I, th- I think we've got to figure out what is that first to answer, yes or no or maybe. And so addressing, you know, should we move into a different career if we're already in a highly compensated career? Again, I think that goes back to, and this is, it always, I always feel like I'm giving the same blanket advice, but it, it applies, is, is what do you want? You know, do you want, what do you want your lifestyle to look like? Uh, what things are important to you? What things are not important to you? and and applying those filters those tests to the new path that you're looking at I, I think it's just there's no easy answer for this
0: no no there isn't and that person has to define that um you know it's interesting the you know you look at like you said with the instructors there's so many instructors that are leaving for the airlines right now as a matter of fact someone wrote in and i didn't put this in the show but uh had you know wanted to add you know things you should not do during this during this pilot shortage he wanted to add one where you know don't leave your your, instru- your uh, students in a lurch. In other words, you're, you're just going to take off and become a, an airline pilot. Make sure there's some succession in your instructing, you know. And that's where being an instructor, being someone that's going to be around, might be an avenue to pursue. Because I know there's a lot of old instructors at that airport that get tons of jobs and get lots of work, and they don't they turn down stuff all the time, and they're making good money because of the fact that they're going to be around, you know, during any type of pilot shortage when there's a big hiring boom. You see that. So that's another avenue to look at there. I think that's a definitely a possibility. As far as, you know, other questions, if you could please send me more questions on aviationcareerspodcast.com slash contact. I'll try not to use your name, but uh, let me give me a little background about you and, and we'll just describe your situation. Uh, if you want us to use your name, we will. Uh, also, uh, if you could send in some information about uh, things that you're doing, your next step in your towards your aviation career goal. Well, Tom, I appreciate you coming on and helping out with those questions.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I always enjoy it, Carl. Thanks for
0: having me. Yeah, and you know, one of the tools that I think that uh, you've put together is really great. And uh, some of the folks here that ask about how do I get to a corporate job, I think there's one great way to do that. I've heard that a, a few times here. Is you know, there's there's a tool that you've put together called the Pilot Jobs Book, and, and I think I think it's it's great. I know there's there's some success stories out there, and that's available actually on our website with the annual membership. But just tell us a little bit about the Pilot Jobs book uh, and give us a refresher as to what it is.
1: Well, you know, the challenge, I think, for people who are trying to pursue a career in a job and a specific position is getting noticed. You know, how do you get noticed? How do you stand out among all the competition and all the people that are, you know, probably is, is in my career, in every case, every job I applied for, they were more qualified. How do you make yourself visible amongst all that noise? And so that's why... You know, I created, I used the pilot jobs book technique for, for years. I got every position uh, that I've had in my career underqualified, um, but I used that to get noticed and to get in front of the right people uh, to at least have a shot at the job. So that's what the tool does. I've had great success with it personally. Um, I know other people who have used it and have had, have had success getting noticed. So they have the opportunity to go in there and kind of tell their story and see if there's a fit.
0: Well, there's uh, it's an easy way to go look at it, by the way. If you just go to the Pilot Jobs book on, on the website, Aviation Careers Podcast, there's a free video there, and you can take a look at it. Um, if you want to go out and purchase it, it's right out there. You can purchase it straight off, or if you want to become an annual member, you get that uh, Pilot Jaws book plus the Practical Guide to Winter Flying. Now, the membership that I've set up, <clears throat> one of the main reasons was to help people that were looking for scholarships, and I wanted to make this really affordable. So if you're looking for scholarships and uh you don't have much money, one way to get your foot wet is I have a uh well I have a $5 uh, membership which is just for a month and you can look at all the scholarships that we have out there. But right now if you just want to look at the first 60 scholarships, I, I encourage you just to sign up as a a free member. Look at the, the first 10 are free, they're out there on the scholarships page. And after that the next 50, you actually have to sign up As a registered member, and being a registered member is free. So now you have sixty of those scholarships. You may find the one you need just through that free membership. After that, all the rest of them that we're putting together uh, are—they'll be paid. And we have, like I said, over five hundred on the list right now. So it's a—it's a great, a large undertaking. Uh, It's been wonderful to have Russ. He's our our new scholarships administrator, helping me out with this. So he's doing a bang-up job, and and we. One of the differences between what we have and what all the other websites have, they just have links at the other websites. We actually go through every single one and we verify each scholarship and we keep them up to date on this directory. So it'll constantly be changing. We're constantly uh, adding scholarships to that. So that's one way that you know we kind of give back to the community. Well, guys, you know I, I really appreciate your listening today. Think about the one thing that you can do to take a step toward your career goal. I hope we've encouraged you to look at this as a career or to make a decision not to make it a career. Um, Again, we have coming up quite a few more interviews, and Tom has always been a a wonderful co-host, and we we really appreciate uh, him helping out. I have some links to to his websites, and uh, he actually does another really cool uh, uh, website about uh, private aviation.
1: Yeah, that's over at uh, privatejetpodcast.com.
0: privatejetpodcast.com. And we're going to have Tom back on again. Uh, in another episode, we're going to talk about getting a job in private aviation. We're going to talk about it from two different aspects because Tom talks about hiring somebody in private aviation and what is private aviation. It's people that have aircraft that fly themselves around. It may not even be attached to a corporation, uh, but it's it's something that we've had somebody write in and ask about, you know, how to get into that, how to hire somebody. So we're gonna we're gonna pick uh, Tom's brain about how they go about hiring somebody in that. In that field, and maybe help you find a job in that field. So I look forward to that, Tom.
1: Yeah, that'll be fun. I'll uh, I'll offer what I've got.
0: <laughs> All right, great. Well, again, folks, I really appreciate your your coming here to AviationCareersPodcast.com dot com and uh, clicking on the contacts and writing in your questions. That was wonderful. Uh, I hope this has been helpful to you. Let me know what other interviews you want, whether people you want on the show. Again, we have a big backlog, but uh, it's been wonderful. Uh, talking to some of these people and and hearing their inspirational stories. So we'll have quite a few more of those this year. Again, if you're out there listening and you're you're not sure whether you want to pursue a career in aviation, I I encourage you to go back and and look at the back catalog. Listen to all the other episodes we've done. You may find your answer in one of those interviews. Everybody has a different perspective, and that's what we're doing. We're bringing all those different perspectives here. So no matter what it is you do, you want to be a flight attendant, you want to be an engineer, you want to be a pilot, I'll be a test pilot, military pilot, Coast Guard. Uh, they're out there, and uh, and they're all fun. The wonderful thing about the aviation career is people really are passionate about this job. So no matter what it is you do, whether you program, whether you run a simulator, whether you fly, it's, it's a really cool career. Well, folks, I really appreciate you listening to us today, and hope to see you next episode, and safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream, and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by
1: Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.